one. What's going on? Everybody, you've got the cardboard coach here with your boy, Coach Co. And team, I am very excited to introduce today's guest, Mr. Jason Kuntz from Otia. How you doing today, man? Good, man. I really appreciate you having me on. It was, uh, it was good, you know, finally meet in person at the National, man. Yeah, it was man. Good, to, good to catch up. Yeah, that's why it's like ever since uh, we kind of got let out in Canada, I'm like, I got to make a, I got, I'm 100% going to make trips down there more regularly now that there's not all these crazy regulations in this country. So I'm like, I'm, you let me out, I'm gone. I'm not going back. You, you guys are off the leash now, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can, you can like, roam. Like, if you shut this down, I'm not coming back. So that's that's my stance, and I'm sticking to it. So you are, I also failed to mention the fact that you also uh, are, are you you owner of ISA, ISA Grading? Lead investor. There's multiple investors. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I kind of oversee, oversee everything. So, I mean, in throughout the car business, I'm invested in several businesses and, like, across everything, I'm invested in, like, I don't know, 28 businesses. So, yeah, it's... One of one of many. If you go to my OTA, you'll see a bunch of a list of everything that I've kind of messed around with. Just like everything that you've been a part of. Yeah, yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know who you are, uh, I'd love for you to give a brief introduction as to like, I mean, I, I basically gave a little summary of like, you know, Jason OTA and and ISA grading currently, but you have been a big player in the space. Um, a little controversial at times. We'll talk about that at some point, but I, I, I mean, you're an integral part of the hobby, the hobby's history, man. Like you were one of the first people to grade with PSA, were you not? Yeah. I mean, back in 95, I graded my first cards. So that's what, 28, 28 years ago. I mean, it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. And what were those price points like back then? So back then, I, I don't remember, but uh, I do, like, when I kind of started doing bulk in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, like, it was $2.40 to $2.80 for, like, three-week turnaround was my my best deals I ever got. Uh, but the reality is, like, it, it, it probably hung around, like, four or five bucks for a really long time. But there was a couple years when, when PSA was, like, struggling, and they would call us and say, Hey, like we need 10,000 cards this week. And, I'm, and then it was just a negotiation, which is hilarious to where we're at now where, yeah. you know, it was like over a year, a year wait at some points. So how does, so what were you grading at these? Actually, the first question I want to ask is, were there any upcharges back then? No. And I remember the first upcharge ever. Sorry. Um, no, I think upcharges probably started in like 2010. So like, it, it was kind of like this weird like what that, what do you mean up, you know, upcharge? It was like, it was still, it was an expensive card. And I forget, it actually wasn't me. The first upcharge was a Hank Aaron 10. And at the show, they were charging like 25 to 35 to grade. And they, they, they told the dealer they wanted 150 bucks. And I remember like this argument. Really? I'm like, dude, you just got to, you just got a Hank Aaron 10. Like, yeah, you shouldn't yeah, yeah. be, but, but he's like, but I paid 35 or whatever it was to grade it. Like, so that was the first of, PSA trying to, you know, get more, I guess, of, you know, for the upcharges. But yeah, that was, yeah, that was new probably 10 or 10 or 12 years ago. And so you're grading like $3 a card for a little bit. What are you grading at, the, at this yeah. time? Like at, late at that 2000s. Point, like, yeah. Like uh, what's everything? Tell me everything. Like 75 tops baseball that are going to get sevens and eights because you can make two or three bucks a card and you're just, you know, they, you, I needed to hit certain quotas every month. So at that point, when you're slabbing stuff, it doesn't, almost, it really doesn't matter because people want, you know, now we're kind of like in this junk era slabs. Yeah. Um, back then, yeah, back then we weren't really there yet. So it was almost like any card in a slab was going to be seven, eight bucks. And, you know, like, so like literally, I just remember like buying 75 top sets, 75 mini sets and just sending the whole set. And you really? get sevens, eights, eight, yeah, yeah. Just to get, you, just to get like, the any, any review process or just like fuck it. Sometimes fuck it. Just yeah. like, <laughs> like I need to like 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 I need I need to hit I need to hit quotas, and if and if the cards come back fives and sixes, I'll lot them together and still break even. Yeah. So yeah, like it's yeah, it was it was it was a different time, man. It was it was wild. It was wild back then because there was only maybe like three or four people. 
like submitting in bulk. It just, it, it's just such a different world. Do you know who the other people? And like, when you say bulk, how many cards are we talking about here? I was doing like 25,000 a month for 10 years. That's crazy. Yeah. Do you know who the other people that were grading in like mass quantities were? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah? I do. A few few of them retired now. Um, You know, then there was like four sharp corners came on the scene in like mid 2000s. And and there was a couple guys in the late 90s too that were, they were cracking so much like factory sets and, and uh, you know, I cracked a lot of bigger stuff. I cracked like 86 for basketball and stuff like that. But like a lot of it was just math. Like back then I cracked 8,000 cases of 2001 upper deck golf when it came out. And 2000 cases, you know, 8,000, 8,000 cases, 8,000 cases, 2001 upper deck golf. That's crazy. That was one of the best. Yeah. It was one of the best breaks ever because at the time you'd get six to seven tigers a case Cases were, I think, 175 bucks. PSA 10 Tigers were 175 bucks. So, like, one Tiger 10 out of the case covered everything. And you would usually get three or four 10s because those come out generally pretty clean. And um, there's all these other Tigers just like, so that was kind of like a probably a 20x deal. You know, it's, it's other people would crack 10 cases. And I was like, why not do this over and over again? So, I mean, I was having pallets shipped and we had, um, you know, I had a lot of, I, at the time, I had friends from high school ripping 24 hours a day, wow. paying them per case. We had girls over drinking, like just partying, drinking open cases. And uh, it was a pretty wild time, man. Did the girls know like how much money in cardboard was in front of them? Not really. No, no like, and, there's and no way. <laughs> They're like, what the hell are these guys doing? They, yeah, they thought we were nerds, you know, and everybody yeah. thought we were nerds back then. And And that's why we never really took pictures because like there was a point where, my entire basement, like four feet high, was wrappers, like like in a swimming pool. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. we were, you know, we would like we would put pillows underneath and jump into the wrapper. And it's like thinking now how you see all these guys with the, you know, walk around shows with the the videos and stuff. People are like, I can't believe you don't have footage of that. It's like, well, we didn't really want footage of that. Like it was, you know, kind of embarrassing. <laughs> like yeah. when I, you know, it's like when you when you go when you go to meet your girlfriend's parents, they're like, well, what do you do for a living? And you're kind of like uh, baseball cards, and like, well, what do you? But what do you do for money? So is yeah, that we, what we've come is that what you were? That. Is that what you were doing full time at like at that time? Is that like is that what you were doing full time? Yeah, so I started in like '93. You know, going to my card shop, local card shop, going and shoveling snow all day, going to the card shop, opening packs, blowing all the money, and then pretty much when everybody kind of like started to shift out of it, it was like we can't just keep blowing our money on this. We went to our first card show, and then at the card show, it was a lot different than being at the card shop, which is way different now because card shops, a lot of them are super cool, and they're willing to negotiate with you. But yeah. back then, it was like card shops were crazy priced, and it was you versus them, and it was either buy it or you know. So when we discovered card shows, like you could actually like buy something, and this was like really early eBay internet days. You could buy something from one dealer, walk it over 50 feet, and flip it and make money. Yeah. Um so I just remember like being 13, 14 years old and go to a show and being able to make 50 to a couple hundred bucks in a weekend, which was insane for a yeah. kid. Yeah. And then how old, how kind old of part, were you at this time? Of, I mean, 12, 13, 14. And like literally every year, it just kind of kept steamrolling. And and then like once grading, I really kind of bought into the whole grading thing. Um, it just it steamrolled quicker. But it's like anybody who asked me like where, like how did I get to this point now? I, I can't even tell you because it literally was just like slowly, slowly, slowly. And then next thing you know, it's like I did roll like all the money I made. I just early, definitely early on, I rolled back into cards. Yeah. So just like kept kept compounding my inventory over and over. And then next thing you know, um, you know, we're here. How many years would you say you rolled it over for? <laughs> like, before you, like before you started pulling shit out. Well, so, so 2004. Yeah. I was like 23, 2004, 2005. Um, I was bored at that point and I sold my collection uh, for a lot. And then how much I was, is a lot? Do you want to, you want to disclose that or no? Uh, Do you want to give a ballpark? A Canadian or uh, like no, ar- around what? 20, ar- ar- around 20 million. <sighs> yeah. And 
and I, and I was going to like retire because I thought that was the cool thing to do. Not realizing I'm like an addict to work. Right. Yeah. So that lasted, it lasted like three or four weeks. And then I had some friends down in Florida making a bunch of money off real estate. So, you know, my whole life I was told real estate was the safest thing you could do. So what do I do? Of course I take all of that money and then some and dump it all into Florida real estate in like Oh five. And then basically turn 20 million into negative a million over the next two years. So in 07, I was about negative a million in the hole. So it's fun, really, really fun time in my life. How do you come out of that? Um, there's a lot of depression, a lot of weird thoughts for a while. And then uh, I actually have a, a friend, uh, you know, very similar situation, kind of sold, uh, sold a lot of money and in, in invested in real estate. And he, he never got out of that dark path. Like he's still in a hole, but um, you kind of just say, fuck it, man. And just like, it's either one or one way or the other. So I rented a one bedroom apartment and like kind of disconnected from the world for about two and a half years. And about a year in, I remember not, not even a year, probably two years in, I remember like having everybody paid back and finally having like a little bit of money to work with again. And then the next year, so it took me about three years to like really recover. Yeah. And that point was just, it was like working 18 hours a day. So you pass out on the floor, get up. But my goal at the time was um, send 200 cards to PSA every day, ship off or put list 200 cards on eBay every day, ship 200 cards every day. Like, so it was like, I had like a, just a strategic, like this has to be done before I can go to bed. And then I ended up hiring like a couple of friends again and just slowly building it back up. But um it was a wild time. A, so 200 cent a day, 200 listed a day. Yeah. So it was 200 cent a day, like ship, ship the 200 a day. Cause like every day, you know, you have two. So that was my, like my mindset of like, I need to send off 200 cards for grading every day. I need to send off 200 cards or list 200 cards on eBay. And back then, because I didn't have a huge bankroll, you know, there's a lot of like goofy Jeter card, like weird stuff you could buy for a buck or two. That was a hundred dollars in a PSA 10. Um, and, and and still like the fees back then were like five or six bucks. Yeah. So you you could get you could find really good margin stuff. Um. So I was really fortunate that. And and the number one thing is I still had maintained all my relationships. So I was lucky enough that um, I'm not going to say who it was, but there was a really good friend of mine in 07 that loaned me like a quarter of a million dollars to kind of get back on my feet. That his financial people told him don't do it, and and he's like so. I, I paid him that back and then some interest, but like that really saved my ass because obviously the more money you have to work with in this business is, is a huge part. So you either got to, you know, grind it from dollar cards on up or like that yeah. definitely probably springboarded me like two or three years. So you, you get the, the infusion of cash. Like what happens next? Like what is, what's the first thing you're like, as soon as I have cash, like this is what I'm going to be buying. Like, do you stick with the, the Jeters or? dollar box dollar boxes really yeah 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 yeah. like shows dollar boxes like sitting in a chair like reviewing stuff like being way more picky to the point where like when you can afford to be less picky when you have extra income you can literally just buy the entire box and yeah. just do the work later yeah. but like at the show it's like you're sitting there all weekend like, like you're doing the math and- in your head every time you pick up a card and you're like i'm deciding to buy this dollar card and like because i'm making seven bucks on this or i'm making six bucks on this oh oh, oh yeah yeah and after yeah. The, the after the cash infusion like a little more aggressive but like no before that i remember waiting for some of those ebay sales to go through to like hit the paypal debit card to go to the grocery store and get groceries and like trying to like figure out like how i'm going to cover it was a wild time for a couple of years it's funny i mean people talk about like this industry and like especially the people who've been around for a long time and like who've actually gone all in on the industry and a lot of people are like envious of like some of the collections that they have that they have or maybe some of the wealth and notoriety that they've acquired not knowing that like part of that process like is is these like massive valleys right like i feel like so many people who have been in the game for so like for a long time like have these massive valleys especially because cards kind of just bottomed out in the nineties. Right. And so, and again, like that massive market crash in the, in the mid two thousands, like you're holding a piece of cardboard. Do you know what I mean? So even if you hadn't sold, like at the end of the day, that is a piece of cardboard. Like I know we love sports cards. I love sports cards. You love sports cards. And many people who listen to this 
love sports cards. But at the end of the day, when banks aren't aren't willing to lend you money and you have to pay your bills, guess what? At, like that piece of that piece of paper means absolutely jack shit. You know, like it's yeah, yeah you can't it, pay it was, your bills scary, with those. It was a scary time, and actually, I feel like, I mean, we not to fast forward because we'll go back to this, but like when COVID hit, I was in another full blown pit, and I was like, you know, like severe anxiety from what happened in 07. So when COVID hit, I was like, oh my God, like I'm going to go broke. Like cards are because 70% of my net worth is still invested in, in inventory. Yeah. So like I had this panic and there was, there was like a crazy six weeks where the uncertainty. And if you asked me what could end cards and I'm like, well, if you took sports away and every, everything that happened. So the fact that cards like not only pulled through what it did and obviously it went way crazier than what it should have and all that stuff. Um, but to me, like I'm so much more bull and I was pretty bullish before. Well, 70% now, of your income, bro, or 70, 70% of your net worth. Like you're telling me you're bullish. Of course you're fucking bullish. Yeah. yeah but I mean, to, but because of what happened, it just kind of proves like, I mean, we just went through something that may never happen, hopefully never happen in our lifetime again. Like I can't imagine know, just, anything like that ever happening again, man. Like I, the last time that happened was what a hundred years ago, you know, like but just such crazy shit. And then for cards to like not only survive but like thrive. So yeah. for cards to thrive through that, and yeah. So and I kind of saw us getting to a certain point where we're at now. I just didn't think it would happen for like another ten years. So like COVID to me just like literally fast forwarded everything, um, drastically like seven like several years. So. Um, but yeah, I, I jumped ahead. So yeah, I, I just was thinking how, when you're saying, no, that's okay. you know, the, the crazy times are just like, yeah, but it's like cards are, it is just cardboard, but like, you know, art's just art and yeah, 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 gold's fair. just gold. Like it's yeah. just, you know, like, you know, but, but the way I felt in Oh four, when I sold everything, I did have that feeling. I was like, man, like I'm not invested in safe stuff. I, like I need to be in real estate when the reality is, you know, if I would have kept a lot of that stuff. You know, I remember selling LeBron, LeBron James Exquisite for nine grand and, and just thinking, you know, like, I can't believe someone just paid that. Multiply that so, by like a hundred thousand now. <laughs> right, right, right. So it's just like, so it's just such different times, man. Like it's, it's been a, it's been a run. And, and That's what you said, crazy. like, yeah, like every, everybody sees my collection now and all this stuff. And it's like, nobody knows the history of the, the crazy rough times of just grinding and, and and reality is I, I gave up a lot of my like twenties and teens and stuff to like, you know, do shows. I would travel and, you know, I would skin high school. Like this is another great story, but um, Frankenson is a really popular show out in California. Yeah. Uh, Wednesdays and Saturdays. So my, my junior and senior year, I would th- uh, Tuesday after school, fly to LA, skip school Wednesday and then take the red eye home and be home, be in class Thursday morning to the point where like, at some point when I kind of started to like push the edge a little bit, I had to, to wheel it back in a little bit. But I mean, I was flying to California once a week just for that show. Really? Yeah. In and, high where school, you, where, my where were, and where were you? I'm Michigan, five hour that's, flight. That, I was like, that's not an easy flight either though. It's not like, like no, no, next no, five, door. Five, no, no, five hours. Like that plus, red eye was Plus like, the time change, man. That's a rough one, bro. That's a rough one. Man, good on you. I, I'm, I'm, I remember, yeah, landing at five thirty, and then like trying to beat a class by seven fifteen, and just a struggle. But, but still, kind of having that rush because, like, you know, you just came off a card show, which is fun. literally. Yeah, yeah. Do you? So you've, I mean, you mentioned this to me before, but, and and briefly on Jeremy Lee's podcast, how many Jordans exactly do you think that you've personally submitted to PSA? Like submitted or how many? How many t- well, how many times, uh, Jeremy? You think, I, how many times do you think you've submitted a Jordan rookie card to PSA? That I don't know. Like I, I just think I said I initially said a hundred tens that I've received, but it's I mean it's probably like closer to seventy five realistically. But but like there's only three hundred and thirty of them out there, so that's like yeah, twenty percent. Yeah, I, I would say I would say the, the, yeah, the over under is probably seventy five. Is my guess, but I mean I've submitted. I couldn't even tell you, but like I can, what I can tell you is the PSA nine pop report is like 2,900. And like, I would guess that's closer to 2000. Like I personally have cracked, I've, I've cracked at least three or 400 nines myself. Really? And, and, 
And I know other guys that have cracked a lot. So like, I would guess the pop report on the nines is off by like eight, 800 to a thousand. So do you think that the nines, like the pop? So do you think that the nines that are nines now are like, that's it. There's, yes. there's no more, no more yeah. juice left. Yeah. And that's kind of like, to me, the whole cracking game is pretty much over. Like I haven't really submitted much to PSA. I've submitted like 50 cards in the last three or four years. Yeah. And it's like, when I was doing it, when I was playing like the cracking game, there was probably like four or five of us doing it. And it was all like brand new, like just stuff that's been graded once. Yeah. Now you're fast forward 25 years later, you have cards that have been tried five, 10, 15 times maybe. And now you have a thousand guys doing it. Yeah. So it's just like the game's over. Like now when I see somebody who has the idea like, oh, there's a Jordan, I'm going to crack it. I'm like, guess what? It's it's probably been tried, and you're like, you're not the first person to think of this idea. Yeah. Well, so. probe scene tried to try to cross what thirty tens and couldn't get a single. Was it? Do you want a black label or just a BGS ten? Just a BGS ten, which is such a big marketing miss by Beckett. Like I don't know, like nobody would ever complain if if you put a PSA one of the PSA tens into a BGS ten holder. Thirty, thirty of them. You know, yeah. like I don't understand. And, and I, I I've hit two of the, I've hit two of the BGS tens as well. How many BGS tens are out there? I think there's six now. So there were yeah. And I, I know I know where five have come from, and I've bought and sold the card probably like ten times. What what the, the cheap the what spurred the you cheapest to send the oh, sorry I'm sorry keep going keep going I'll, I'll ask a question oh I'll no I say I say the uh, the cheapest I ever sold a BGS ten Jordan for was forty four thousand, and the most I ever got for one was like two hundred and fifty thousand. Mean, that's so still, like that's over a decent chunk of change. What do you think they're they're valued at right now? I'm not a very big BG. I'm not a very big BGS fan. Um, I would much rather have the equivalent to like, you know, let's just say, you know, a BGS 10 is worth a million dollars, which I don't know if it is or not. I would so much rather have five PSA 10s. Yeah. Or even more so to narrow that down, I'd rather have how many, whatever, how many PSA nines that is. Really? Um, Yeah. That's just me personally. Like I'd rather have the equivalent in value. Like, take if I had a million dollars to spend, I'd yeah. rather go buy a bunch of PSA nines or like five PSA tens versus one BGS ten. What about the BGS ten or Beckett? I just, I just think it's a. I think it's just you know, like the so one of the BGS tens I got was like literally a PSA nine that I cracked out. Really? Yeah, yeah, and and like like if you cracked out a hundred BGS tens right now, like. You might get like, you know, twenty nine fives, like some trims, some sevens, some ten. I mean, like it's gonna be such a clusterfuck of what the great like. Like if you cracked out a hundred BGS tens, like you may not get one more one BGS ten back enough. Like it's gonna be so all over the board that I couldn't even. I, I would love to see somebody try it because it would be it would be entertaining. So what what was like the the determining factor of you submitting those BGS tens then? Like were you just, just like these are like, like like pristine co- copies, or you're just like fuck it, let me let me give it a shot. Well, you got to remember, there was a point when BGS was worth more than than PSA. I mean, that wasn't very long ago, man. That was like probably like five six years ago, no? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, a, a lot of the two thousand, a lot of the BGS, the, the BGS tens I got were like a long time ago. Yeah. Um. And yeah, at the time of BGS nine five was so like like if you had a really nice PSA nine, basically the the goal was like. Crack it, send to BGS first, try that. Yeah. And then see. Because, I mean, you get like then, the nine five, you get the 10. I mean, you get the black label. Like, there's like a few options there, right? Yeah. There's no black label back then. But, um, yeah, like literally just playing the game. And then, like, then whatever, you know, then try crack it out of that, send it back to PSA, send it to SGC, and like try to get the max grade you can, you can, and then move on to, to whatever. But, um, yeah, it really was just cracking and seeing what happened. But what's, what the difference between now and back then is there was really so much less downside because, A, you didn't play the – there's no upcharges. Yeah. Right? So, like, now if you crack out a PSA 9 and you send it back to PSA and get a 9, they're going to charge you a thousand yeah. bucks. Yeah. Where back then it cost me $10. So, it's like – and even if they, like – if you miss something and you cracked out a 9 and, like, you know, they decided to, like, you know, hose you and give you a 7 – 
okay, you crack it back out and, you know, like try it again. But like the downside was just so minimal. Well, the downside was, was like a, six bucks, such, six bucks and like nothing, a three, yeah. three week turnaround time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the, the risk reward was just, just, just not there anymore. I mean, the, do, the game is virtually over. Do you think, in my opinion, ooh, do you think that th- all the cracking and resubmitting left a bad taste in people's mouths? We talked about this on Jeremy's podcast. It's like I've talked to some people that for some reason it's like I don't know. There's some people that are just going to hate everything, and, and there's some people who don't care. So yeah, so yeah. it's all about like, um, we we did try like in the late '90s to like save the pop report. We tr- like we tried to set up this buyback program where PSA was going to pay us like 25 cents a label, but it was so hard, and so many people started to do it where it just became unmanageable. And so yeah, the pop reports like I just tell people assume that they're like 20% off and cracking and resubmitting is just, it's a thing. Like if you don't like it, don't collect graded cards because yeah. like, you know, yeah. it just is what it is. And like the, 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 the other side is like, if you don't like graded cards and you want to go to raw cards thinking you're safer, you're not at all. Like graded cards is like, it's not perfect by any means, but it's definitely like a necessary evil because the raw cards is just wild, wild, the wild, wild west, you know, and like most people are going to have no idea what they're looking at when it comes to, to raw cards. Yeah. Well, I mean, I saw a video that you did with sports card investor, uh, Jeff Wilson, like six months ago, maybe where you, you spotted a Jordan, like a fake Jordan from like, yeah. like a considerable distance away. Like, I'm like, I don't know how much of that yeah. is luck, but I also, I do believe that like you probably have a crazy eye for f- spotting fake Jordans considering how many you've submitted. I mean, cracked out, like submitted just period. Do you know what I mean? Like opened out of packs, submitted, no, that cracked was a, out, resubmitted. Like that's nuts. No, that was a legit video. Like we literally like, we're, yeah? we're just goofing. It wasn't, it wasn't even with this film crew. Like we just had pulled out an iPhone and we're like, yeah. let's test this. And like, we were like mapping it out and it got to the point where I just like, couldn't physically see any farther, but like, yeah, I could tell. And it's, Generally, like when 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 someone pulls one out of a package, like within a millisecond, I can say like real or fake. Um, and and there's there's different times where I I knew like even who was probably faking it, based really? off of like, yeah. Now there's just so many reprints. Like, are you reprints saying like a everywhere. specific individual? Yeah, back in the day, there was different people. Like yeah, people out of Mexico. Like there's been some characters over the years to try to do it, and uh, but that was back in the day. Now it's like. If you look on eBay, I feel like there's just almost every card is, and then like they write RP next to it, like yeah, being yeah, secret, yeah. which is all it's yeah. such it's such a bullshit scam to like, you know, sell a Mike Trout when you when you're getting thirty dollars for a Mike Trout update that says RP, like clearly you're scamming somebody because it's you know it's cards worth fifty cent, it's not worth anything. Yeah. Um. So I don't like it that eBay allows that because it's just not good. And that person, like, I see it all the time with with ISA people send us you know Jordans or not just Jordans anymore. So many different cards. And it's like the people are pissed. You know, you ever get like ultra modern fakes. Um, we got the, the, uh, the PMGs in and those are being faked out of Taiwan. And they're really good, man. The new PMGs. Like like the, like the, the the greens and the reds from like the the late, late nineties. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's like, I mean, like literally they're like, like all the grading companies have graded them. Really? So like that's how good the that's how good the fakes are. Yeah. I mean they've all kind of like realized, well, two couple of them have realized and they've 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 figured it out and stopped it. Um, but like they're really good fakes. Like I remember getting them in and just being like, Holy shit, like they these are these are there, like these are close. But there was some stuff that was off. What was off about them, if you don't want me asking? I mean, they just the smell, the feel like it's hard to explain when you're just like when you're just around cards, like and you just know what an original is like, but um yeah like yeah, i, I like this them, dialogue like, right though because like I, again like people i mean they don't understand how how like entrenched you've been for cards or with cards for like three four decades like the fact that you said the smell of the card that was the first thing that came to your mind oh yeah like, that's I mean, pretty freaking interesting yeah people laugh like especially on the vintage cards like i mean i'll like and, and people are like what are you doing and like you know it's like i don't know it's, when you look when you literally grade cards for eight hours a day for 25 30 years it's just like you know, it's like, you, like you, you know, and you're trained, like when someone walks in, you're like, okay, like we're going to do, if you do A, B, C, and D, like we're going to get, it's like, 
Yeah, there's yeah, a map yeah. of, of how easy it is for you. And I don't want to say it's easy because like technology and stuff's getting better, but a lot of it's like, yeah, like that Jordan video is, you know, like, yeah, no, no fake Jordan would ever get past me. Like, I know that sounds arrogant, but it's like most of them are like, are laughable fakes. So that's, that's really know. interesting. What, uh, how do you feel about the ultra modern? I mean, what, do you do you still like collect? Do you are the things that like you're looking to buy? Like where does that, you know, like where where are you at right now? I know that you you're grading now, right? Yeah, I I mean I'm in this weird spot where like I, I just love cards so much and like I'm working way too many hours than I should be. Like I actually feel guilty. I should be spending more time with my kids, but like I'm I'm an addict, and it's like if I'm not working a hundred hours a week, I don't know what I'd do with myself. So as far as the I've been, you know, building some of these other businesses and and, and the grading and company. And, and as far as my collection, though, I am addicted to buying. The only thing that I've kind of changed is like because I have so much quantity, I've kind of like been going through and like maybe selling off some like cars that like have less eye appeal, but then then replacing them or or just buying more. Like if something's a deal, I'm going to buy it no matter what. But I've been more picky with what i've been buying like uh, and like when i say that like i like um like Gr wayne gretzky eights to me are like super undervalued and it's like i won't like i want to my old me would have just bought every single one yeah and i probably only have like i don't i say only but i only have like 48s of that card <laughs> and, and i know i know i said i said only but like it's, I'm, I'm, people i'm people people are gonna give me shit for that but That's like okay. to me that card that card is so undervalued you know, it's like, who who's the best basketball player? Well, I guess there is argument there. Like, you know, people would say LeBron or, or Jordan. It's clearly Jordan's the answer. But, like, in football, it's, it's there's just one answer, right? Brady? Yeah, Tom Brady. And in hockey, and, but in hockey, it's not even close. Like, there's no. just, like, there, there's no argument. So, no. And, and what I love about the vintage is if you want a Gretzky rookie, you have two options. If you want... A Jordan rookie, I think you have one option, maybe two options if you include the star. You could get into that crazy story too if you want to hear some, you know, star basketball. Kind of do. But, um, and then, but even like if you get to Brady, there's 135 different Brady rookies. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is nothing compared to Trevor Lawrence. Like Trevor Lawrence, there's like, I know, I think there's six. It was like there's 1,100 different one of one Trevor Lawrence's, and there's 6,000 different rookies of Trevor Lawrence. So like the evolution going backward, like 6,000, like 135 now of Brady doesn't seem that crazy. Yeah. But then now it's like all of a sudden Jordan and Gretzky, you're telling me they have you have one or two options to choose from. Yeah. And then of that, like you can hit every price point. Like if you're, you know, even on super low grade, like you know you can eventually build up and save a thousand bucks to buy a PSA three Gretzky rookie. Yeah. You know, like, like, and then obviously for people with more money, they can buy sevens, eights, nines. Um, so I like the fact that there's like price points based off the grade, but like every time someone's like, I want you to build me a collection, I'm going to add a Jackie Robinson leaf, a Jordan rookie, a Gretzky rookie, just to me, like those are the staples. So, um, so going back to where was, my point was, I'm now like, I've passed on like the last two Gretzkys that I've seen because yeah. I just didn't like, I didn't like them as an eight where I'd rather pay a grand or two more for one that's like dead centered versus one that just like looks like a seven to me. Oh really? So, so like, like now it's all about eye appeal. I like that. Yeah. That's kind of where I've been going. Like I've just been like more picky. Do you that. buy into just like because... the, the NBA authentication and stuff like the, and like the PWCC uh, like top 5% eye appeal? Kind of. So I've known Mike, you know, for, he yeah. was one of the head guys at PSA back in the nineties. Yeah. I know Mike, I know Mike really well and um, super smart guy. So like, yeah, definitely like getting his opinion on something it, I don't really need it because I can kind of look at it myself, but I yeah. think for like a new, a newer um, person getting involved, like, yeah, I think there is definitely a premium on a nicer card, like a, a 9.7 Jordan versus, you know, 9.1. If there was, a, you know, it's like there's a Jordan that just made it into a nine, yeah, and then there's a then there's a Jordan that like was on the verge of a ten, but just like didn't quite make it. So like, which one would you rather have? Obviously, like, and 
technically you could make an argument, you know, like if a Jordan 10 is 200 grand and a Jordan 9 is 20 grand, how much of a premium would you pay for one that looks like a 9.9? That could be a 10. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. Like, you know, that's in, in my collecting these days. That's kind of what I do. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm drinking about it. I'm drinking about no, it. No, no, so. man. You do your thing, bro. Do your thing. Uh, I would be hard pressed not to ask a question like this, but so where does all of the trimming stuff start? Like, like I'm not accusing you of trimming, but there are accusations yeah. out there of trimming and uh, often associated with it. Like, where does that even come from? Do you know, like what, what started I, I, it? I, 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 I think I know. I think I, I think it was one person who is like, initially there's this like anonymous list that got released um, from an ex-PSA employee who, like, well, nobody – it's an anonymous list from nobody. I, I know it was a, a PSA employee who did it, like, okay. who got fired. Yeah. So I, th- I think he was just, like, pissed or jealous or whatever. Four people on the list were, are dead or were dead. Um, and then basically just kind of got ran. I think a lot of jealousy. And I did admit to, like, in the late or uh, early 2000s, like, I used to cut down a lot of sheets for Beckett. Not a lot yeah. of sheets, but I used to cut down sheets and grade into Beckett. Beckett, Beckett openly graded sheet cut cards. So um, I definitely did that. But like, I really made so much just cracking nice cards. Yeah. You know, and in playing that game, I never really got involved. Like, I knew that people were like, you know, trimming card, doing all that stuff. I mean, pressing corners down, taking increases out. Like, to me, all that stuff's fine. Definitely trimming is probably like, you know, there's going to be a line. Like, I know people that, like, they want the card straight out of the pack into a holder and like if you literally breathe on it it's altered yeah and then there's like you know taking a card that's ripped in two pieces and putting it so like there's definitely trying to find the line of like what's acceptable and i think that's kind of like on everybody's scale and and most people agree that like trimmings cross the line yeah and then a lot of a lot of people feel that like taking creases out pressing corners all that stuff is acceptable but then there's other people that want to roast you for that so i don't really know other than like I do get a lot of jealousy yeah. and I can think of like two or three people that, but like everything literally stems from, from that. The and then it's just kind of like, yeah, yeah. Like, and then yeah. it's like a couple guys did and it just snowballed. And in my argument was, um, and there's people on the list that I recognize that definitely have done some shady shit. Like I, I know. Yeah. Yeah. But like, but nobody else is like out, like, you know, and there's a lot of like these before and after pictures, which is a whole other thing that I don't even know. You know, we're see- starting to see a lot of like double serial numbered stuff popped up. So it's like, yeah. I don't even know if the before and after pictures, but what I always ask people, I'm like, I've submitted millions of cards for grading. Like show me something that I've done. Cause I'd love to see it. Like, am yeah. I, am I any good? You know, yeah. show me the, bef- show me the before and after. Right. For real. And then, and then like, then the conversation is like, well, whatever I heard from so-and-so I'm like, okay, well go ask so-and-so. And then it's just like, it all stems back to, Oh, I saw this on a message board. I'm like, okay. Like literally like, we're going to sit here and talk about anonymous, <laughs> anonymous people. So like, I don't even think about it anymore. And, yeah. and I know it's like, I, and the same thing is like, I have hit a lot of big cards over the years, Yeah. but what people don't see is like when I hit a, a Jordan 10, like they don't see the other hundred cards that were submitted in like sevens, eights and not, you know, and just all the bullshit that goes with it. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, and when you submit a ton of, you know, all this, you know, like a Jerry Rice rookie is like an impossible card, but like really? you crack the 86 Rice rookies are impossible. They're so hard. I think What's I've only the, hit like that. So that's is that like your white whale, you know, is that like the one that just always gave you difficulty? I, I just gave up. I think I've hit really? one time in my life. You gave yeah. up on okay, okay. Yeah. Really? It, it just it wasn't yeah, it wasn't a good break. It was not a good break. Like um, right out the pack, it, you mean? Yeah, like they're impossible. Like they're so hard. So like I tried and it did become a game at that point too, like crack it, like getting trying to get a 10 where like 86 for basketball for me. Like now, it's not a good break because of the cost of the boxes. Yeah, of course. but in the er, in the er, in the early two thousands, like I, I made a lot of money because everybody thought, and I was like this trust fund kid, which was hilarious because like I come from a very <laughs> poor family. Yeah, and and uh, they just thought I was this trust fund kid who loved cracking eighty six for basketball. 
And at the time, it was like we were, I was paying twelve to fifteen thousand a box. And if it was a really bad off-centered box, you'd probably get like seven grand back on a good centered box because the corners all come like ten. Like that's when yeah. everyone's like, "Oh, you trim you trim the Jordan." Be like, if you've opened an eighty-six throw box, you would see that like the the cards are perfect. Like the the, the they come out like like you wipe the like the the, 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 the gum. gum dust up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they so they come out tens as long as they're centered. So like if you hit a center box, you'd make 150, 200 grand. Well then, you know, then once I said, you know, people are like, that doesn't, the math doesn't add up because, you know, Jordans at the time were only worth, you know, five to 10,000. But people forget that all the set builders, they wanted the commons and the stickers. Like there was a point when Jordan was like the 20 most, most expensive card in the set, really? which is, which sounds, which sounds crazy now, but like, Dominique Wilkins checklist, like the checklist um, back in the early 2000s, I've sold a checklist 10 for 50,000. Really? Yeah. So, like, these set because, yeah, like, no, like, no one was submitting them, and like, like the, the, the population of them is so, so scarce, right? Well, they're, and they're really hard, like, where they were placed on the sheet. Like, Jordan's actually one of the easiest cards in the set. It gets scrutinized way more because it's Jordan, but like, the Johnny Moore is obviously really hard. The checklist of Dominique um alvin adams i mean there's there's 20 guys that are really really hard so these set guys these set builders were super educated back then and they would literally get in these like at shows because this was like right you know not not a lot going online like there is today yeah and you know, you'd get a couple guys at shows fighting you know they they wanted to finish their set like they needed an alvin adams 10 and you'd get them to pay 10 to fifteen thousand for a really low pop common which literally one card takes your entire cost out of the box yeah so like I like really quietly just like yeah I'm sitting here ripping eighty six flare I really enjoy it and meanwhile like made a fortune grade you're just so. you're just grading like all of them <laughs> everything yeah, yeah yeah and it's like yeah if you like if you hit a centered box it was just like checkmate that's fine how many full sets do you think exist well there's two hundred forty four thousand printed but then you yeah, remember like late- tens like tens. Oh, uh, you could go on the registry. I mean, I've I've put I've put together maybe like six or seven ten sets as like as I kind of like went along. Like if I couldn't sell something, I would just add it to a set, finish the set, and then sell the set um, over the years. Just as like because I was getting a lot of tens. Like so, I've personally built five or six uh, five five to seven sets and you know sold them as sets. But I think the registry, I would guess, there's twenty to twenty five complete 10 sets right now that's crazy yeah what is your give me like one wild hobby story i mean you've already given me like 20 but like let's finish this episode off with one wild hobby story (laughs) i mean i have so many uh the first one that came to mind what was it i mean i have like well i I wanted to so the star basketball was yeah because we kind of want to bring it back to that like the reason the reason i like 86 so much is 84 was you know the star jordan but yeah the license the, the license ran up in 89 so basically the the person who was had all the star basketball they were printing them in 90 91 and then i think in 92 that they got caught so i've always asked collectors this if you had an 84 star jordan but you then were told it was printed in 90 you know same it's 91. identical you yeah yeah like, would that change your opinion of the, having that card in your collection? It looks the same as if it was printed in 84, but I said, hey, just so you know, that card was printed in 1981. Would you care to own that card? So I just think that that's insane to me that, like, personally, I wouldn't. Like, I would, like, that just rubs me. That's why I've always been, like, anti, like, star. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, even, like, I mean, you see it a lot with, like, ultra modern stuff where, like, you'll get a buyback autograph and it's, like, it'll be a buyback of the card, like, an actual rookie card, for instance, but it'll have, like, an autograph on it from four years or five years later, right? And, like, even that, yeah, like, yeah. I, like, it just doesn't sit the same. You know what I mean? You're, like, this, this, yes, it's signed and, yes, it's an it's an autograph rookie card, but it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't meant to be this way when it was created. You know what I mean? And I don't know if that's some, like neurotic collector thing and maybe others can bypass it, it but there's like no like, it, it is because yeah like like i said like collectors like everybody has their their pet peeves you know yeah like everybody has their their like what they you know their niche and, and everything but um 
you know, so that's, but I'm trying to think of like, like, we'll, I'll think of some wild stuff. Like, we'll do part two in a couple months or something. Love I'll that. think of some crazy stuff. Like, on the spot, I want to give you a better one than just, you know, <laughs> so, that. But I did put you um, on the spot, though. And like I said, you did give me, like, I can't even tell you how many stories already. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you, if you like, jog my memory of, like, you know, a, a time frame. I mean, it's like, I, I remember, you know, like, the whole, like, the Kobe craze, the Tiger Woods craze. You know, it's like, um, like. Those are wild errors. It's like uh, you know, Dante Culpepper tens were four thousand dollars in the late. What? Like really? Yeah. So th- yeah. Like so, just thinking back to who do you think the you biggest know, like, prospect that busted at the like is? And you've been here for a very long time. But like, who was the most hype prospect? That the card was the most expensive, and and absolutely ended up cratering. Well, Zion's not looking too well right now, but um. But, but his stuff is still day, somewhat vol- valuable, right? Like he's got some time to kind of pick his ass up. But I agree there. Yeah, he may never play again. From, from some things that I'm hearing, he might not play. You know, he might never play again. But really, um, yeah. Um, so in the late '90s, I mean, there's definitely like um, like Vince Carter SP authentic rookies. I think peaked at twenty thousand. And they got down to 150 bucks. So, like, you, you could have bought one for, like, but a lot of that stuff in the late 90s, a lot of those football rookies, like I said, Dante Culpepper 10s, 4,000, SP Authentics, 4,000, probably a $20 card now. Um, yeah, a lot of those guys, like, were, were massive. Darius Mile, I mean, there's some basketball names that, like, you know, most people wouldn't even know because the stuff was, even a lot of the Kobe rookies, um, you know, like a Kobe Z Force ten was twelve to fifteen thousand back then. Which in like yeah, yeah. And like probably got all the way down to thirty or forty bucks. It's probably a three or four hundred dollar card now. But I mean, like a lot of Kobe rookies that uh the SI for kids uh, Tiger Woods, I remember those being hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand. Those got all the way down to like a grand or two, and now they're back up to maybe, I don't know, ten, fifteen thousand. So like, yeah, there's some massive swings on on some of that stuff. That's but, nuts, man. And so you're saying I'm, vintage I'm, vintage is the play? It's boring, but it's way safer. Like, yeah, any and I don't want to say any, but like almost any vintage that you had in the late '90s is probably worth a significant amount more now than. Okay, crazy story. Um, we used to go to the live auctions, and at the time, Mastro, like, yeah. there's you know. Course. There's a whole story there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Master Master Live Auction. Um, we would get we would drink and then we would have these paddles. Yes. And me and my me and my friends, you know, we were young and dumb and stupid. We thought it was funny. We'd always steal each other's paddles, and then hold the paddle up, and and win stuff. You know, like, so like for I each remember, other almost. No, like like as like a gap, but like or someone would go to the bathroom. Like if you left your paddle, like you were fucked. <laughs> so so. Uh, there was a mantle eight that was up and my, my buddy grabbed my paddle and won it for like 64,000. And I remember being like, so stressed is like, I was so pissed. I was like, man, I can't, I just paid 64,000 for a 52 mantle. Eight. Yeah. Like, it was the, it was the highest price that someone had paid at the time. And, uh, you know, I, I think I like was able to flip out of it and make like three or four grand. And it's like the relief of at the time was like, oh man, okay, glad I got out of that one. Yeah. And it's like looking looking back, if I just would have been like tucked it away. Um, and and speaking of uh, the fifty two Manolate on eBay, the biggest collector in the world at the time, and he still has he sold, but this guy Don Spence, um, no way you know this name, but like literally has had one of the top three collections of all time. He came on eBay in 96 and with a zero feedback account won a 52 mantle eight off me for 25,000. And like, you know, that look, you know, that feeling when a zero feedback wins something, you're just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like really course. like waste all my time. Yeah. So I get a message. He's like, Hey, overnight, you cash your check the next day. I'm like, whatever. And then he sure does. And like, ends up like, so literally like the, probably one of the top three biggest collectors in the history, like bought his, bought the first card off me. Really, first card he ever, first card he ever bought was a Manolate. Pulled the trigger for twenty five k, and I remember just like being kind of pissy with him initially. We we kind of joked about it years later. Yeah, he bought a lot of stuff. He bought a lot of stuff off me. But I'm like, yeah, remember when you bought the Manolate? And 
you know, I was giving you shit, like, you know, for your okay. zero Are feedback you just... accounts. Mm-hmm. So his yeah. first feedback was a, was a 52 male. I mean, that's not, that's not a bad feedback to have. That's like, like 10,000 normal feedbacks, you know, <laughs> like that's like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like, like 50, sometimes I go into people's feedback and I'm like, okay, like, what did you buy though? You know, like an $8 card, $9 card. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like those still add up, but I'm like, we're talking about like a 25K card. Eric, your feedback that, is a little well, that, bit, a little higher. That's, that's good advice. So if you're looking to not get scammed on eBay, if somebody has like some stuff up and it seems too good to be true, like go in their feedback history. Cause it's like, if they have a $20,000 card up and like their feedback is like one to $4 items. Yeah. Like that's a massive red flag. Like, yeah. Oh, that guy's got 200 feedback. but you know, why are all of a sudden they selling a $20,000 card on eBay? Like, yeah, be, be careful. The other thing is what people are, you know, the authenticity guarantee is they're putting stuff in lots now. And eBay only authenticates singles. So it's like they'll do like a fake Jordan rookie and then they'll add, add like one or two cards to it. And then it's a lot. So it bypasses eBay authenticity. Really? Yeah. So that was getting, a, a big getting the inside scoop at the end of this one. For the people who stuck around long enough, let me tell you, there is yeah. nothing but value on this podcast. Jason, yeah, brother, I'll, I, go for it. I, I, I know I caught that scam like right when eBay authenticated. I, I saw it. I'm like, why? Like it just didn't make sense. I saw some lots. It's like, People were running like a Jerry Rice rookie in a nine, which is a two thousand dollar card, and then they would add in like a couple like five dollar cards. And I looked at their entire account, and then I'm like, wait, all these cards are fake. But and then I realized that's how they were bypassing eBay authenticity. That's crazy. So, that's crazy. Yeah. Jason, I want to thank you so much for joining. Uh, there's definitely gonna be a part two. There has to be. You have way too much, too too many stories to tell, and it's been a good time. Uh, for anyone who's listening, how, where can they find you? Where can they contact you? Where can they support? Where can they reach out? Yeah, at, at OTS Sports on social media. And then I'm usually at, obviously, at the National and at a lot of the bigger shows. Please come up, say hi. And uh, a lot of people afterwards are like, hey, I saw you at the show and I didn't want I'm like, no, bother me. Come say hi and uh, chat. I, you know, I, I enjoy that. And uh, yeah, let's schedule a part two. Have everybody like send send some questions and then yes. we'll, we'll do a Q&A, a Q&A mm-hmm. on the next one. 100%. Team, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Cardboard Coaches. As always, Coach Co and Jason Coons out of here. Peace.